Now, I, um, you know, we pulled the blinds, number one, because we like to impact the lighting on in here, and then plus, we didn't want you to see what the weather was like out there and be distracted, but, but in all seriousness, um, I respect that you are here. I'm so thankful that you are here. I do not take it lightly that you're here on a day that the weatherman said, there is a blizzard, do not go out, you know. And, um, and I'm not going to take it for granted. I can see the weather out the back. And typically on a Sunday, I normally give you about 25% more message than what you pay for. And I'm not going to do that today. Um, I, I really, uh, I want to be sensitive and I want to get you out because I want you to be safe. I really do. And so let's, let's jump right into this thing, gang. Um, grab your copy of the scriptures, turn to the book of James in chapter 3, if you would, and then take your copy of the East Bay Weekly and flip it over to the back, and we're going to do a little bit of work together. And I wonder what you think about when you think of someone who's wise. You know, um, someone who has a lot of faith. And so far in our discussion through the book of James, we, we've understood that faith is, is not merely um, knowing Christian lingo. You know, some people say, boy, they're a person of faith, and it's just because, you know, maybe they, they know Christian culture, they know Christian lingo, they know the Bible facts, they know the Bible stories, they know Bible doctrine. Um, maybe they have some external evidences of blessings, so-called, or um, maybe they keep the rules or the laws of Scripture, or maybe they look religious, and so we say, you know, that person is a person of faith. And we found out in the book of James, as we've walked through this thing so far, um, biblical faith is seen in maybe different ways than what others have put it forth to us in the past. Biblical faith is seen in listening and obeying God's word. Listening to and obeying God's word. The Bible mentions biblical faith is seen for caring for those in need. Biblical faith is seen in not showing favoritism based on external appearances. Biblical faith is seen in having a faith that transforms our life. Biblical faith, and this is the toughie that we took two weeks on, biblical faith is seen in keeping a tight rein on our tongue. Okay, and if that one doesn't just step on all of our toes, I don't know what does. You know, keeping a tight rein on our tongue. And so here we are about two-thirds of the way through the book of James, and we're in James chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse 13, and we step into a verse that really takes the whole book of James, and it kind of just encompasses it in one verse, and we're going to see that, and then we're going to work through the, the context that exposes the whole theme of the writing and then there's a descriptive context that focuses in on really what biblical faith is. And so here we are, verse 13. I want to read down through the rest of the chapter. 
of chapter 3. Look at this with me, would you? And whatever Bible translation you have, I just want to read down through this. And then um, we're going to do just a, a word study today. And I'm going to give you a main truth. We're going to pound it out. And I'm going to get you out before the weather's too bad. Here we go. Who's wise? Here's the question. So who's, who's really wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Check out this description of wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so here's the main truth. So grab your study guide. I want to give you this main truth. This is what it is. It's a simple truth. It's a, dyna a dynamic truth. And, and it is faith is evidenced. Wisdom is evidenced in how you live, not what you learn. Faith is evidenced in how you live, not what you learn. So let's just walk through this. Here's a little word study for us. Here's how we know who he's talking to. He's talking to those among you, and so obviously he's talking to believers that are in this church. He's discussing to people just like us. And he's mentioning to those who are wise, and, and the word literally means those who are skilled in learning and in speaking, and he's talking to those who have understanding, and the idea is that they are endued with knowledge, they are intelligent, they are an expert. I would say for our day, these are people who know the doctrine. These are people who know the Bible facts. Maybe they know the kings of the Old Testament. Maybe they understand the Bible maps. They, be, they know the rules. They know the expectations, the church culture, the philosophy of ministry. I don't know. Maybe the first names you think about, if someone says, hey, who, who's wise? The first name that pops to your mind. Who's wise? Maybe they're your pastors, your elders, your deacons, your teachers, your Bible study leaders, your small group leaders, your committee members, your long-term church members. Who pops into your mind? That's who he's talking about right here. He says, whoever the wise or the understanding are, here's how you're going to know who they are. And here's the words that give it away. Number one, the words show. If they're wise, if they're understanding, let them 
show. The word is to give evidence or proof. This is the exposure of their wisdom. Some people think I expose my wisdom by opening my mouth and telling you what I know. And he's actually going to give us a different idea. Wisdom is not exposed by opening our mouth. He actually says if we want to expose our wisdom, it may not be in opening our mouth. Notice what he says. It is show your good, and this is awesome. I love this. Good means attractive, beautiful to look at, excellent in its nature and characteristics. And your good or attractive life, your manner of living, some translations say your conversation, this is not just an event. But it is something that is ongoing. Your deeds, your anything that is accompanied or accomplished by your work, your effort. Something that is done in humility, he mentions this selfless, mild disposition, this gentleness of spirit. And so he's going on, he's saying, you know, if you want to expose wisdom, it is not necessarily by talking it out it is by living it out and it is in the way that we live it out it needs to be that which is attractive to others around and so what is attractive to others around he mentions it is a life of humility and it is a life of good deeds and it's not merely an event but an environment do you know what I mean when I say that not merely an event but an environment and here's the best way I can say um, <clears throat> there's a there's a difference between an event and an environment and probably the, the the best way that I can express it would be between a husband and a wife Husbands think in terms of events. Husbands think, you know, event is, I got her the card. What more does she want? Or I got her the flower. Or I got her the chocolate. And oftentimes a wife thinks in terms of the environment. The talk in the morning. The I love you before you leave. The text during the day to see how you're doing. Maybe the goofy selfie, the call at lunch, the can't wait to see you at the end of the day, the hug when you get in the door, the, the sitting tightly on the couch at night, the, the kiss before you fall asleep and then you wake up and you repeat the next day. That's an environment that happens more than just an event. One's wisdom, James says, is seen 
in an environment of their life, something that's ongoing. It's attractive to others around. It's excellent in its nature. It's something that people see as selfless. It is mild. It is not abrasive. And they realize it's fruitful. It may not be as much attached to the classroom as it might be attached to the hospital room. Where you kindly sit and visit and talk and pray with someone who needs a friend. This may seem out of place. It might even be attached to the bathroom. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Sometimes it's doing chores and duties that you might feel are beneath you. I remember in my previous ministry walking into the bathroom and seeing a chore that needed to be done around the toilet. And I walked in and I looked at it and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that that mess is there. Someone needs to clean that thing up. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. I walked out. Next day I walked in the bathroom. Can you believe that? Two days in a row. And no one has taken care of that. I'm like, I need to, I need to write a note. I need to talk to the custodian about that thing. That's terrible. Third day I walked in and I said, mm. I started thinking these thoughts, what moron is leaving that mess right there in the bathroom? And the fourth day I walked in, and I don't know, it takes a little bit longer for me than maybe others. And kind of God started to sink through and I realized who the real moron was. It was me. And I walked over the sink and I opened up the drawers. I pulled out the cleaner and I went over there and I cleaned it. And then the hard part was keeping my mouth shut to make sure that not everyone needed to know. So you're the first people I've been able to tell. It feels good. But that's where wisdom plays out. It may not be writing the class notes. It might be writing the encouragement notes. You hear what I'm saying? It's the old saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've all heard that. You know, I've never heard anyone say, I know he treats me like dirt, but I love the fact that he's so smart. And James is really getting down 
to the nitty-gritty when he says if we really want to say that we're wise, if we really want to say that we have understanding, the place where that works out is in an attractive life. And notice this list in verse 17. This is gorgeous. This descriptive list, wisdom that comes from heaven, is first of all pure and peace-loving. Seen some wise people duke it out, and that's not wisdom. Consider it submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What a list describing wisdom that's from God. And helps us to realize on the scale of wisdom God didn't write his word to enlarge our brain, but rather to enlarge our heart. He didn't write his word for our information, but rather for our transformation. And that's why our mission at East Bay Calvary is more and better, not more and smarter. I'm going to tell you my story about a wise person. And then I'm going to give you our three takeaways and then we're going to dodge the blizzard on our way out of here. There was a deacon in my previous ministry, Sunday school teacher, knowledgeable learner. This guy knew all the kings of the Old Testament. Do not take him on in Bible trivia. You'll lose. He had it all down pat. 82 years old, and it was in 2001, and my wife and I were um, building a home. We had three kids at the time, so you know this was a little while ago. And um, we had sold our home, and we needed to move out of it. And he took the opportunity to help us by stepping out of his home and moving into a camper. And so we moved into his home, and, and it didn't seem like a big deal because that was in July and August and September. And then October came, and in fact, it was October 23rd. There was eight inches of snow on the ground. It was about 20 degrees outside, and he was in a camper in the backyard and freezing. And we never heard a complaint out of the guy. And we ended up moving into our home on November 2nd. And he finally got to move back into his home. And I look at this list here. And I say, wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. 
of all the information he had amassed, none of it impacted us like his life did. That's the reality. Three takeaways. Here's number one. The person, I have to laugh at this because this is so true. Sometimes it seems like the person who knows everything has the most to learn. Isn't that the truth? The person who knows everything has the most to learn. It's kind of something good to take to heart. If we get wrapped up in our knowledge, let's ease up a little bit. People don't care how much we know. It's not our knowledge that's going to be the wow factor, James says. It's really our life. Let's think about that. And that that goes right into number two. Your behavior has greater impact than your information. How true is that? Your behavior has greater impact than your information. There's just no way in the world that your information will ever trump your life. Our, Our living, our testimony will always have so much more influence on the people around us. The stories that we have from people always have much more weight on our life than maybe words and information. And then here's number three. True faith is living, not just knowing. True faith is living, not just knowing. It would be so much easier if it were just knowing. It would be easier if it were just an exam at the end, multiple choice, and we can check it off and be done. But really, we need to to do this. We need to live this. God expects us to live it out, to love him, to be an example for people around. And that's the true test of our spiritual life. That's the true test of wisdom. And so I want to ask the question, two questions, actually, of you right now. Think about it. Number one, can you think of a truly wise person that God has put in your life right now? Can you think of a truly wise person? Someone who has impacted you with their living. I want you to think of their name. Maybe put their face in your thought right now. And in just a moment when we pray, I want you to thank God for them. Someone who's impacted you with their living. It may be a parent. It may be a pastor. It may be a friend. Maybe a neighbor. I just want you to think about that person. A truly wise person who's impacted you with their living. For just a moment, I want you to thank God for that person. And then number two. Here's the harder question. Are you a person that others would look to as wise? That they would glean from your life what they need 
That's the harder question. So would you close your eyes with me? This is all the life of being more like Jesus Christ. I want us to think about it. And in our heart right now, take a moment and talk to Jesus Christ. I want you to thank him for that person that's had an impact on you. But then it's the other way, folks. We need to have an impact on others. And it's not by what we know. It's by how we live. Would you take a moment, would you express in prayer thanksgiving to God for this person that you know who is wise? And then would you take a moment and commit to God your desire to live a life of true wisdom as James talks about and commit to him to live the way he wants you to live? Let's do that. I want to give you about 20 seconds. Talk to him in prayer. God, thank you for the people you've put in our path that have impacted us by their attractive life of wisdom. And where would we be without them, without their influence? And God, I pray that you would make us and continue to grow us to be very attractive to those around us. May our lives be compelling. May our attitudes be impactful. May our efforts, our actions, our energy toward those around be influencing. May people see Jesus in how we live. And may that truly be the visual, the evidence that your word and that true faith is in us. Continue to grow us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.